You are listening to the Red Roots Podcast. Good morning, good morning. Good morning, good morning. I'm obviously not by myself this time, finally. After Simon abandoned us, <laughs> Melinda abandoned us, which means they abandoned me by myself. But Melinda's back today, so Good hold, to be back. hold your applause to the end. Um, <laughs> Melinda's back today, and so, yeah, it's better. It's not a monologue today. It doesn't feel as weird. It was weird last week. It was cool because, you know, we talked about different stuff from last year and got, actually spoke in spoke into spoke about more detail details about just about different stuff that went on yesterday and just different struggles and victories and yesterday um last year wait last week i'm t- i'm referring to what i talked about last week uh, refer in reference to last year yeah. so yeah sorry um it's monday so it's not it's monday's my off day and so my mind is usually floating around somewhere else anyways um so how have you been doing You've been, been gone good. for a while. I know. it's. It feels like a really long time. Because it has been. It's been two weeks. Mm-mm. More? It's been like three months. It has not been. Because I was here for the Christmas jingle. Yeah, like the first mm-hmm. one. That was three months ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, it's been like two or three weeks. I don't know. Yeah, you haven't been here in a long time. How have you been? I've been good. I've been doing well. Good and doing well. Yeah. I mean, I'm, these are all fillers, obviously. Clearly. <laughs> like you. I mean, <laughs> that's it. I've been good and doing I mean, well. What, do you want me? what have you, you been up to? to? How's it been? Okay. Like, what have I been up to? Well, we put the Christmas tree away oh. in the Christmas lights. Thank God. And um, I, I actually ended up doing that by myself. Nobody helped. Not even the girls. First, what do you mean? Not even the girls. So you're referring to me? <laughs> that I didn't help. I wasn't even around when you were doing well, it. Well, you. And then I came well, out. Well, to be fair, you, you never help. Like that's just always been. What do you mean? I never help. We've established that years ago. You don't ever help put no, the Christmas it's, it's stuff not, away. The, the, see, you have, see, this is how you can't term it like that because that's not what it is. It's, I I said I, I did strongly dislike. Which I know. I'm not Christmas, complaining. No, 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 no. But I said strongly dislike, uh, not Christian, Christmas decorations. And so you, I remember early on in our marriage, you were like, can we put up Christmas decorations? And I said, I don't want to. And you said, well, if I do it, Kim, I said, if you do it, why are you asking me? Because, I mean, I don't have to do it. I don't care that it's up around the house. I just don't. And he's like, I'll, I'll do it. And then when the girls obviously got big enough to, like, care, then you started saying, well, we'll put it up and we'll take it down so you don't have to worry about it. And so I'm always doing something else. And then I come in and it's, like, halfway down. Right, because so, I don't expect you to help right. because we've talked about But you that. made it like I just refuse to <laughs> be, like, and that's not what it is. Sorry, that's not what like, I, I come home. Some, I like, come home and the stuff is all gone. Yeah. Like, that's typically how it works. But the girls did not help, so. You're the mom. Tell them what to do. Well, Get in here and help. That's true. To be fair, probably would, it was probably quicker for me to do it myself. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, that's all cleaned up. Um, what else have I been up to? Helping the girls prepare to get back to go back to school in a couple weeks. I realized that they forgot everything that they learned all of last year. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> like they're... Like they've never been to school a day in their life. What's two plus two? Uh, <laughs> Z. <laughs> like, 
What? That's so discouraging, but I'm like, Talking okay. to you, Jalen. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm going to work a little bit harder with them on that and, and actually give them a bedtime because they're, they have absolutely no schedule, and so they have to get back into some kind of routine. That's my doing. I'm a big fan. First of all, I'm not a fan of school. I'm a huge fan of education, but I'm, a, I'm an, not an opponent. I, you know, I don't like school because I don't feel like that they really learn anything. And I, I remember majority of years, the majority of classes in school, I didn't really learn. They weren't teaching me stuff. Like, I remember the classic several teachers throughout my, you know, you go to school for 13 years or whatever. I went for a little longer because I started early. I went to, like from when I was three or whatever. But I remember the classic every few years you get the teacher that says, well, well, you guys do what you want. If you don't want to listen, that's fine. I get paid regardless. And that just, even as a kid, that grinded my gears so much. Like that attitude, like you're here to educate us. Yeah. Like, so if we don't learn, if we fail, that's your fault. Now, you do need support and help from the parents and stuff. But to have the attitude of, and that's what they, they say here, it's 50% students. And, I mean, sorry, 50% teachers and 50% parents. And that sounds cute on paper, but it's just not true. I'm not at the school all day. Right. And yeah, do I need to teach them how to behave in class? And do I need to support what? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely have to do it. But for you to like do the bare minimal and then send it home for me to do it, like that's not that's ridiculous. Give me, ha- you know. And so last year we had an incident where I went and I complained. I went and talked to the principal and stuff, and I was like, okay. But if you guys want to give all this rhetoric all the time of it's fifty fifty, then I feel like I have the right to come in here and demand that you guys work harder mm-hmm. because I'm giving my fifty, and you guys are giving like twenty. And I was like, so if you want to continue with this talk of 50-50, then you need to give your 50 because you're not doing anything, mm-hmm. you know. You're not doing anything. Like, she, they were literally going to school, copying. Well, they, she wrote something down on the board. They copied it and came home and did all the work. Like, there's a, a language here that's, I think it's a dead language now. It's called Mojeño. And it's a part of um, Bolivian culture. I think, it's, I think it's great that they connect to Bolivian culture, huge fans of it, um, whatever. However, um, they would get Mojeño words, and they would send them home for the parents to teach them. And as I told the principal, I said, look at me. I said, like, do I look like I speak Mojeno? And like, she don't want to answer. I was like, do, like, I barely, like, you know. And I, like, it's not on Google Translate either. No, 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 no. It's not, it's not something you can just look up. And, yeah. and even if it was, though, that's not my job. That's why I send them to school. I homeschool if I want to do all that. And like, I, do, I don't speak Mojeno. So why, why do I have the burden of trying to figure out what this means and how to pronounce it. Well, why the heck do I send them to school? And we pay for the girls' education too. So why am I paying this? And so anyways, it turned out being good. But I don't like education because I feel like they, there's just, everybody's doing the bare minimum. No one's doing, like really wants to do their job. And I feel like there's a lot of teachers in the world who don't, there's a lot of teachers who are great and they are passionate about education and raising up the next generation and so on and so forth. But there are a lot of teachers who it's just a job and stuff like this just, can't be a job. And it's like ministry, right? It can't, it just can't be a job. Yeah. It can't be just, you can't pastor a church or be a missionary just because that's, you get paid for doing it. Like it doesn't work. And I feel like teaching is the same thing. And is it unfair to ask for more for, t- it absolutely is. And so should, do they deserve raises? Uh, <laughs> yeah. It should be an on, a, on an evaluation basis. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, they deserve, cause they're, they're underpaid. But I'm just not a fan of the mentality of, oh, I don't work hard because I don't get paid enough. You pay me more and I'll work more. Well, like, I'm a huge fan because I'm a boss. And so I am, I said in a literal thing, it sounded like I'm like, 
I'm literally a boss. Like I have, you know, people work for me. And but like for me, it's like I'll pay you fair and I want to pay you more. But if you're not working hard, I'm not gonna pay you more. That's silly. You I mean it it doesn't work like that. Work hard mm-hmm. and everything else will take care of itself. Like for, if you know and I, I know it's different because you work for the school system and stuff, but I don't know, it's just frustrating. And like I've I went into schools here and on behalf of the church we took those muffins and stuff like that and you know, I told them I know you guys are overworked and underpaid and stuff, because it's true. But at the same time, man, good grief. Like, these kids, it is worse at the school here in the neighborhood. Like, they don't learn anything. They don't know anything. But they go, some kids go to school every day don't know anything. Yeah. Like, ba- the most basic stuff. Like, well, what are you guys doing all day? And it's just, you know, going and checking the clock. So I get frustrated about school and not a huge fan of it. So, anyways, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I love summer vacation. I said all that to get back to this point. <laughs> I love summer vacation, even for the girls. I don't really get tired of them being home. Like, I, I enjoy having them around and stuff and getting to see them. And they pop up in here, and I'm wearing the Red Roots office right now. So they come over here every once in a while, and they, you know, looking for snacks and asking for tea. And, just, you know, I, like, I like that. I like having them around and stuff. But, and so for me, like, as summer break is, is a break. And so I'm not a huge fan of, you are, I'm not a huge fan of, like, oh, you need to go to bed at 10. Like, I'm like, just hang out. Like, enjoy yourself. Like, live it up these two months. Because they only get, like, two months of break. Yeah, really, when it comes to December, January. Mm-hmm. Live these two months up that you have free and just live it up. Like, indulge yourself, you know, relax, sleep, whatever. Because it's school time. But that's my thing is I fully expect them to enjoy this. But in school, I expect them to be fully focused, behave themselves, work hard, so on and so forth. And so, Which they do for the most part. Yeah, they do for the most part. Sometimes more than others, and yeah, we're not even get into that. But yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm a big proponent of just have let them have a free vacation. You're more like, oh, they need to go to bed. It's like nine thirty on summer break. It is not. It's like eleven. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I think I'm I'm like that because I see the effects of it the next morning. Like usually in the mo- by the time they get up, you're you're here. You have been here in your office for hours and. So I see them like dragging their feet or they'll wake up just to go to the living room and lay down on the couch. And yeah. I'm like, it, it's just like, you're not doing anything. That's right. They enjoy it while they can because it's, it's coming to an end in two weeks. Yeah. Those six o'clock wake ups. Like, that's what, I mean, that's just what it is. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. But yeah, so going back to school. Yay for school. Yay for system, education systems. Oh, yay. Yeah. <laughs> like, so frustrating, man. Anyways. So, yeah, the girls going back to school. But I did hear they're getting a good teacher this year. Yeah, yeah, I heard. And I think that makes a difference. Is Last year's teacher was a nice lady, but, yeah, I'm not going to trash her on here. No. But it, there was the work ethic was lacking. We'll, just well if you want to know a little about her, you can read Jolie's book, JoJo Goes oh, to School. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah she, she kind of throws her under the bus, <laughs> the proverbial bus on that, you know, oh, on that thing, so. But yeah, so girl, Christmas trees put away. Girls going back to school. It's a new year. Have anything you're looking forward to this year? Um, with the family, yeah, Jolie is started writing her her second book. Jojo goes to church. <laughs> so. grief. She's gonna destroy me in this thing. <laughs> My dad preaches boring. So I'm just, we're brainstorming ideas right now. Yeah. Oh man, um, she's talking about. Uh, so far, she's she's mentioned. Um, the story of the widow who gave her two shekels and, and the others who gave their offering. That story 
that she learned in children's has really stuck with her. She's yeah. she's brought it up several times. Yeah. But she's such a tender person. She probably just feels for the widow giving yeah. her two shekels. She she did. I could tell. You know, she's always been really compassionate. <laughs> Um, she she talked about how and the other people I mean she said it with an attitude the other people they gave more than her but they just wanted everybody to see yeah. them giving their money she's like righteously indignant <laughs> you know and I said well okay for your book like so what are you gonna write you're just gonna recount the story and she's like yeah but I want to tell everybody that I want to be like the widow I'm gonna give everything that I have and but I'm like struggling because you're making this known <laughs> Yeah, like it's not you're no longer same, a secret, right? This is exactly <laughs> what the rich guys were doing. So. Like I want everybody to know I'm giving everything I have. Right. <laughs> um, and then uh, I don't know, trying to figure out what Jalen wants to do with her YouTube channel because some days she wants to do it, some days she doesn't. Well, she's eight, so yeah, that's true. Gonna... And then, um, and then personally, I've been, I've had, I have this goal to uh, launch a digital store <clears throat> online why are you nervous saying it because i want I, because it's commitment yeah it is oh, it's okay. like everybody knows about it now <laughs> well um, mom and dad know about it yeah. not, <laughs> and <let's>, simon <laughs> yeah well <laughs> i don't know if he's simon gonna don't know to about this. it in a couple weeks when yeah. he decides to listen um but yeah digital goods store and something that i've been able to do and it just kind of I never intentionally did it, but it just kind of have worked out being something that I like to do and something that I have already been doing is um, helping small businesses, small ministries um, uh, with their design, graphic design. So I wanted to make... Uh, That's a huge need. Yeah, it is. I mean, I know the whole reason why I started doing that was because we had that huge need. And it's not cheap either. It's not even very cost-effective for a startup business or ministry to afford that kind of stuff or to invest in that in the beginning maybe later on down the road but um so yeah i saw a need for for missionary small businesses to to have these um good professional looking graphics and uh <clears throat> so i'm going to start creating and make a store with these digital files where people can download them and just kind of customize them for their own mm -hmm personal needs or business needs so, i mean i'm still working out specifically what kinds of things i want to do a little bit more research so that it doesn't just sit there in the store not doing anything but right yeah figure out how to get it like to people and yeah there's a lot of research that goes into it i think i was telling you the other day like there's I, we're looking at the other stores i'm like man this stuff isn't even good quality but they also saw a need, and they also mm -hmm. said, "I'm going to do what I can do." So yeah. that's all we do. We can do our best, right? Yeah. And um, but but reading that the reason why their stores are doing so well is because they did the research on um, search engine optimization and mm -hmm. how to get their their products found to on pop up Google and the millions of others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a invested a, a, basically. Uh huh. Invested time and education, and so that's that's the phase that I'm in, I'm reading books because this wise man once told me that <laughs> YouTube isn't as, um, not whole, but you know, it doesn't complete. Like complete. A, it's yeah. the, you can't be fully educated on a, on a subject just on YouTube. I mean, it's great. It's a great step-by-step -step resource. Or oh, you're talking about me. I just, yeah. I, I'm so late on to the party. <laughs> I was like, who is this one? <laughs> it's you. <laughs> um, so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> who else? 
what other men? Do I, I, I talk didn't know. To? I was like, who's like who's giving you this information? My pastor. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to talk to him. <laughs> Silly. No, but I think YouTube generation like this is what we live now. But we're on the we're on the outskirts of like YouTube was born with us growing up. So we're not as we're becoming dependent our generation is becoming dependent on YouTube but we weren't we didn't we weren't raised like this. Mm-hmm. We still use books and stuff. And I'm not against digital stuff by any means. I'm pro. Just the problem with YouTube is shortcuts and we all have shortcut mentalities. Is we want to for instance if I'm learning how to play the drums I'm watching a video what what makes you want to learn how to play the drums is you hear somebody that's incredible and they're doing incredible stuff and you want to do that. And so if I'm like, I'll learn how to play, play the drums, then I'll go straight to the incredible showy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'll practice, 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 practice. And I'll be able to do this, these like very intricate the grooves or whatever, not even a groove, like a dr- drum yeah. roll or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know, whatever. I don't, I'm trying to think of, I'm thinking of the word in Spanish. But anyways, um, but then when it comes time to play a basic song, like I can't do it. And it's, the, the good thing about YouTube is there's so much information and it is video and it is like summarized. But the bad thing is, is you can you're more likely to skip the basic steps and go straight towards what you really want to know. Yeah. But you're missing all the foundational steps. That's the boring make it stuff, last right? Yeah, that's good. That, that makes it sustainable. sustainable. And so it's the same thing with, you know, uh, whether it's preaching, whether it's you know teaching in school, or whether you know building building a, a brick wall for your house, whatever the case may be. You people want to go straight to the sexy steps and miss over on all miss miss out on all the or pass over all the um like the basics and stuff mm-hmm. and, and but i think in books it's a written out process it starts from, with the fundamentals yeah, yeah and it takes you from big beginning to end mm-hmm. and youtube if you go maybe some people have like playlists and so it go it teaches you the whole thing or photography is one like it takes you through the whole thing but you push video one and it's like this is a camera mm-hmm. this is a lens a camera works like you don't want to watch that you want to just take awesome pictures like your friend did, but you know, until so you click pass, click pass, and then you're on video 13 in two minutes. Yeah. And now you're like, oh yeah, and you figure out how to do an effect and you try to run off and now you're a photographer. Now I think that's kind of a problem is we have so many people that consider themselves professionals because they watch two YouTube videos yeah. and did learn a technique or learn a trick, so to speak, of something, but they don't know any of the basics and whatever. And so you have a lot of, it all lacks credibility and, and, and stability, I should say. It's like it's all one dimensional too. It's kind of I don't know. I know I ran into that with uh, uh, the church that I've been helping the, with the worship team. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were invited to a church in a different pueblo or uh, what is it? Um, Sorry, Tima Mouth City is what it's called. It's a different city, and this is like a sister church of theirs, and the, their sister church invited them to lead worship for their anniversary weekend mm-hmm. celebration. And so the pastor invited me in, invited his whole church, right, to, to sing and be part of a choir. And he had this, this thought that they were going to sound like a choir, you know. Um, and so I go in, and he's like, I want, I want you to teach us harmonies. And so oh, I'm, today. Like, <laughs> no, that's, no, I mean, like, yeah, yeah, like just right in on one the day. spot. And um, usually I, I just work with the. Can you sing melody first? The main, yeah. I work with the worship team, which is usually about between six to eight people. And I struggle with them, and we work a lot on just the basics, like you said, on melody and yeah. the scale, up and down the scale, because that's the only way you're going to be able yeah. to sing uh, on key. But, but well, I mean, well, you don't I'm, even understand harmony if you don't, like, you know what I mean? If you don't understand 
where the notes are and what the melody is because like you know singing the scale it, it, it's teaching you harmony right i mean so you can't anyways. well like you said you know just the basics and so i go in there and i'm like okay let's figure out who then can harmonize i'm going to give you I'm going to sing this, and whoever can harmonize, just sing the harmony so I can identify you, move you to a different section so we can work on this, the second part, the, the, harmon the vocal harmonies. And so I sing a note, and then everybody's just copying the same note, and I'm just like, no, you're just singing the melody with me. I need yeah. you to sing the harmony, and everyone does it again and again, and so I'm just like, okay, please, if you don't know what a harmony is, just don't even yeah. sing. And one of the guys told me that I was um, really direct and, and his dad got offended because I had the way that I said that he shouldn't sing. He was like, well, I just am not going to sing. And Good. That's what I asked you to do. Right. Be quiet. Right. You're offended people. because you don't. Yeah. You're offended because. And like, anyways, go ahead. Sorry. Anyway. We'll no, on, but it just. Get on a soapbox. It's, <laughs> it's like you see it in every area where, where we want to go from amateur, completely clueless to to thinking we can do something at a certain level just because we have access to information on how to get better, not necessarily yeah. do the work to get better. They're like, oh, we have a vocal coach or somebody that can help us. Uh, that means we'll be able to sing a three-part, be a three-part yeah. harmony choir or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's just, I don't know. Church, and that's a church culture, unfortunately, in a lot of places too, is do the bare minimum and expect the maximum. And it's just so like opposite what what Jesus teaches. Like, it's 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 frustrating to say the least. But that's a mentality that we deal with often here is just having people that yeah, and then get upset. I guess what I'm saying is get upset when you say, "Oh, you're doing it wrong," and like get offended and upset and all. like it's <laughs> it's so frustrating. Man. It's not an opinion; it's a fact. You were like you just can't do it, right? I said, but you have two options. If you can't do something. Learn to do it or quit. Those are literally the only two jo options. That's true. Learn to do it, work hard, or quit. Those, that's what it is. And I mean, obviously, but people don't want to accept those options. So he's he basically what he told you is I I'm not gonna do what it takes for me to learn to get better at this, but I'm not gonna quit. So now you want it all to focus on you and your lack of talent. And so what happens is the churches never get better. The, you know, it bottom of the barrel like not what is the word like, like production of anything the church produces is is like lackadaisical effort and just minimal and, and halfway done or whatever mediocre that's the word i'm looking for so we put out mediocre products and stuff mm -hmm. write mediocre books write mediocre songs sing mediocre like it's just annoying and frustrating but then you have the people in the quote-unquote world who i mean they're rehearsing they're practicing and getting you know it's it's so frustrating to get, I didn't know you didn't tell me that. I didn't know he got <laughs> offended because it doesn't surprise me. But I know someone got offended because he couldn't sing harmony. Like, what did you? What did he expect you to do? Just say, "Oh yeah, yeah, good job. That's harmony." Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, uh, oh yeah, great harmony. Like it's not harmony. Like you're not singing it. Is it? Uh, That's the first time. Not not that situation, but I guess just being here in the churches um, here in Bolivia is the first time I've been to church where you just can't find or it's more difficult to find people that can sing or hold and not even sing amazingly you know but just just sing um yeah the basic melody <laughs> basic the very basic yeah because churches growing up are just like man we've had choirs i think i was part of a choir at like 10 years old and you have kids singing harmony so just the culture is is very different 
exposure leads to expectation, you know, because mm-hmm. you haven't been exposed to something, then you have no expectations for yourself. So even if you are talented, you you have no expectations for it. So you don't do any development. And there is this weird like phantom belief that you're born talented or you're not born talented. Mm-hmm. Like that understanding of hard work and developing into something is not, there's a lot of people that just don't, don't understand that, that that's the work people. And we talk about this all the time, obviously off, but like, with somebody like Beyonce, it doesn't matter what you think about Beyonce or her image or whatever. We don't obviously, you know, whatever. That's a different conversation. But what you can't deny is the hard work that she puts in, and like just developing for. It, it, she's successful in, in that in that sense. Mm-hmm. But it's not like she woke wakes up and is like, yeah, I think I'm gonna be Beyonce today. I'm gonna be a superstar today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's like laying around all day, and then it's like, hey, it's concert time, and she gets out. And it's like, no, like there's hours and hours of working out, dancing, singing, vocal lessons. Right? She's already professional mm-hmm. and still taking vocal lessons, vocal warm ups, like dancing again, rehearsing, 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 and she's doing all this for money or for fame. I don't know, whatever career you can call it what you want. And we claim to be living for Jesus, and like. You know, we show up late for rehearsal. We don't rehearse all week. We don't, and no one's saying like you need to quit your job and rehearse full time, mm-hmm. but good grief. Like, I don't know. It's just, you see, but when people see, when people see stuff like that, talented, they, I think a lot of people believe that, oh, they're just born with it. And you are born with something, but they develop that, man. Like, mm-hmm. Kobe Bryant, like, everybody knows Kobe Bryant's one of the best basketball players of all time, one of them. Um, but, He's naturally talented, but what people talk about is when you see the documentaries is his work ethic. So he's at 3 a.m., 4 a.m., he's working out already. Like he wakes up and he, he's working out already and stuff. And that's what makes Kobe Bryant, when you're really talented and you work really hard, you become great, yeah. you know? Well, I think even, and there's a lot of cases, examples too, of people who are not really, really talented, but they work hard and they still mm-hmm. reach that level of like, Absolutely. Like people argue all the time, Jennifer Lopez, she can't sing. But how many albums does she have? Mm-hmm. People are excited about her tours. And, and she can sing now. Uh, she couldn't sing better, yeah. great before. She can sing. She's not a great singer, but she can sing now. Mm-hmm. She's gotten way better. But how do you think that is? Because oh, she no, she's worked hard. She's been taking class. She invests, invests in herself. And I think on a practical level, obviously, we're not talking about spiritual and ministry work. But the best investment you can make in your life is investing in you. Like, just bet, bet the bank on yourself. Like, a lot of times... We, you know, we bet on everybody else. We want it. We depend on everybody else to do it. But man, invest in yourself. Like, take courses on your own. Like, read books on your own. Invest in your own knowledge and your own growth. And yeah. you know, st- study. You st- take time to study. Take time to learn. And take care of yourself. Invest in your health and your mental health, personal health, spiritual health, emo- whatever. Invest in that. Like, because at the end of the day, like, that's you. You do have potential. Everybody. I mean, not talking to you. I mean, just person. Listen, you do have potential, and you have more potential than what you think. But what is potential? Who doesn't have potential? And that, that's my point, too, is, like, everybody has potential, but only some people develop it. But the only way it's going to be developed is by working, like, developing it, you know. Just a shortcut, a shortcut culture that we have. Microwave culture is the thing that some people call it. Yeah. You want to just, you know, push the button. And, and it's frustrating because you see it's more prevalent. In, uh, I feel like it's more prevalent in churches, but that's probably because we work in churches yeah. and you see it so much. And my expectation for churches is for excellence is so much higher. And so yeah, it's frustrating for me this year. I just want to kind of keep doing the same thing I've been doing <laughs> for years. Yeah. yeah no, I want to. Um, 
I just want to grow on leadership, become a better leader and stuff. I was talking to, but um, anyways, I was talking to one of our church leaders the other day, and I was saying one of the things that's tough for me as a leader in church is recognizing that I that people see me as a leader, that people look up to me. And so if someone says something to me, just anything, or if says something that's kind of a ridiculous, not being disrespectful to me, but something ridiculous, or there's an issue that's that I think is silly, I respond... My natural reaction is to respond like a, like, like a peer because I see myself as a peer. And I am a peer in a sense, but it's different when people, when people look up to you, they're, expect, they're not expecting a peer's response. So if, I, if, if, if I'm Billy, if it's Billy here and Billy asks his cousin, how does this outfit look? His cousin is allowed to say, oh, it doesn't look great. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, or his cousin can even say it's ugly, take it off. Ha ha ha, they laugh. But if Billy asks his dad or his uncle or his mentor or whatever, and they say that, Billy's going to get hurt. And so for me to understand that me, like who still feels like I'm a 16-year-old kid in my head, that people are looking up to me, like I just want to grow in the area of not responding to people, not as a peer. I'm not saying it like I'm a because that's not what it is. But just taking into uh, consideration that they're looking up to me mm-hmm. and they're going to take what I'm saying seriously. And so, you know, we were, and he, he's, he's in his fifties and he was saying it's something he still struggles with is like, cause he made a reference. We were talking to a, uh, there's a couple in our church and they were struggling in their marriage. And, um, and this guy has, uh, he's historically, he struggled with alcohol addiction or whatever, however you want to phrase, whatever he struggled with alcohol, the vice of that. So, and I remember this, um, the, this other leader said, well, and we, we had had a lot of meetings with him, and he made the statement <laughs> when we were in the meeting, the guy said something, the guy had gone and gotten drunk. Just a, a, it was a stupid decision, like I, I feel comfortable saying that, even to his face. Um, and uh, so he says, uh, this other leader says to him in the meeting, he says, you just need to make a decision. <laughs> do you trust more in alcohol or do you trust more in Jesus? That's just what, that's what it comes down to. You're choosing to trust in alcohol. And what he said was true. <coughs> what he said was true, but the way he said it was, there's nothing wrong with being direct, but it was, it wasn't condescending, but it was, it was aggressive. Had he said it to me, then I would have just taken it on the chin. But this guy was crushed because he looks at this leader as like a father figure and stuff like that. And, th- and this, I was talking to this leader the other day, and he says, I realized after, like, that what I said was absolutely right, but I realized how damaging it was. And I, he's like, I'm supposed to be here to help, but I realized how, how, how much I damaged him as a part, like, and how much I hurt him mm-hmm. by saying that. And he's like, sometimes stuff that you say hurts. That's just, that's the way it is, especially when you do, when you mess up or, mm-hmm. you know, make bad decisions. He's like, however we shouldn't intentionally say things to hurt, you know? Yeah. That's, I think that's a hard line to find because <clears throat> so much of being a leader is, is considering other people, but also knowing they're not going to consider yours, like, knowing that, oh, but also like you can't no, <laughs> but also it's like, you can't consider everybody, you know, because then you're never going to make a, lead, a, yeah. a wise leadership decision. You'll make you'll never make a decision at all because you're consider always everybody. But I mean, everybody can't be happy. You yeah. Can't please everybody. And it, the goal. Yeah, it is. There is a line because the goal isn't to please. Like being a good leader does not mean pleasing everybody. Mm-hmm. But it, I guess it does mean developing the discernment 
to know when to be like just straight up with people and be like, hey, you know, his feelings are going to get hurt, but it is what it is. But then also always just, quote unquote, being one of the guys, but just really damaging everybody and not understanding that your response carries more weight than Billy's response, you know, yeah. than Sammy or whoever down the streets. Response. It's a completely different thing. And it's, 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 it's not stressful, but it's just it's a higher call. It's a, it's a higher calling in the sense of because everybody wants to be normal, right? Like you want to be looked at as normal. But then you realize like, oh, as my position in the community or church or whatever, no one's looking at you as normal, even though you are normal. So you don't get into this place of pretending that you're not normal. That's not what it is. Just be normal, but also understand that your words and actions carry more weight than anybody else's. Mm-hmm. And you can say it's not fair, which it probably isn't fair, but it just is what it is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not about fairness. It's not about who has what. It's about stewardship. Yeah. And if God has entrusted, for whatever reason, uh, people's trust and faith in you as a leader, then you are to steward that properly, period. Whether it's on the level of parents, like we're parents, or whether you're the youth leader, like Rudy's a youth leader, or children's church leader, like uh, Simon's a children's church leader, or church lead, whatever, it doesn't matter. Or whether you lead a convenience store, it, it you know it doesn't matter. You have to understand a, a part of that position. First of all, that you have to believe that it's God-given, the influence that you have. Okay, now how am I going to steward this for his glory? Mm-hmm. And... <clears throat> And see, I think look at it from that way instead of like, oh, it's not fair. Well, Johnny said the same thing to you and you didn't get mad at him. Because that's the tendency, right? But it's a very weird. So that's the thing I'm really challenged with. It's hard for me because I want to talk. I want to be normal. Yeah. And I, I, I talk to everybody just like they're all my best friends. And all my best friends, like, I mean, we know if like in private, obviously, if any of us do something ridiculous, like we're going to. We're going to call each other out on it and get on it. Who cares if you get mad? Because we, we love each other, you know? Yeah. So, like, who cares if you get mad? I don't care if you get mad and offended. Get over it. Mm-hmm. Like, I love you enough to tell you when you're wrong, you know? And, like, I don't know. I, so, I, I don't want to talk to everybody like that. Not want to, but that's my natural reaction is to, uh, who cares? Get over it. And and there is there is some trust, in like, when you get to that level of trust. But when people look up to you, you just have to be careful. You don't say... I care that they get offended because it's not necessarily pursuing that, but you are also just careful in your tone and the way that you address them because yeah. you can say the same thing. You can say the exact same thing, almost word for word, but just watch your tone and watch your approach mm-hmm. and watch your, even your, um, what is it called? Your nonverbal communication stuff and just say it in love. And, and before you say it, make sure you say it. And that's something I've really gotten good at this year is before not being reactionary, especially in leadership. Yeah, I've noticed that. Like not just snapping back because like that's just my like that's my thing like, but it's qu- also very glorified too right in in the world right now just being i'm just it's just who i am i'm just yeah. real i'm just you know but you know what like it, it is what you see is what you get <clears throat> yeah like i don't care what anybody thinks and that sounds and surface level it, it kind of like but it's ridiculous when you think about it oh like look, grow up like oh you don't know you don't care what anybody it's thinks selfish, now everybody right? should, it's very selfish mm-hmm. like it's it's absurd to say that there is a, a point to where you need to not really be consumed with what other people think about you especially as a believer like we follow the voice of God so we don't get consumed in that however to say I don't care what anybody thinks and carry that attitude is just it's absurd mm-hmm. and um so I don't know but it's it's hard and it's something I want to grow in this year it's just um thinking out more my and again in that area specifically I've grown a lot this past year I feel like is just thinking out my responses more mm-hmm. and like I'm a person that if there's an issue I want to talk about it today 
I'm not waiting no two weeks for a meeting and I, I want to mm-hmm. talk about it today. Let's get it out the way. Yeah. But the problem is with that sometimes is you, you haven't thought it all out. And even though you don't feel like you're in pride, you are still in pride. Or at least the temptation of pride is lurking for them to give you a stupid answer, what you would consider a stupid answer, and then boom, it explodes. Now you say everything that you were holding back. But when you get it, just it doesn't matter how much time, but you get some time to think about it and you really process it. It's easier to come and say, hey, um, so what are your plans for, instead of saying, what are you thinking, blah, 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 you know, there's just a huge difference. What are your plans for such and such? And you can talk it out with people. Because again, those people are already respecting you and looking up to you. So when you talk to them in, in that manner, and not, it's not, I'm using extreme examples, obviously, right? It's not about yelling at people, but just when you're not as direct, maybe that's not the word, but when you're not as, it doesn't feel as confrontational to them. Mm-hmm. It feels helpful. And it may turn into confrontation still, because again, pride is a factor and people have attitudes or whatever, but you, you can control the situation a little bit better as a leader and you can kind of bring it to a hopeful end. Because that, that's what your, your, your job is to do, whether mm-hmm. good situations or bad situations is you want to bring it to a hopeful end where everybody can grow from it. And it's very hard to do that. Um, again, because I don't see myself as a leader. And so just kind of this year, I want to step into recognizing that and just kind of grow on my leadership and my, my patience with other people. And it stinks because when you want to be tre- when you want to be seen and treated as equal, not treated, but when you want to be seen as equal and you feel like you're not equal as peers, you want to see this relationship as a peer relationship, mm-hmm. then it's automatic. Like, well, they're yelling at me. They're they're They got ticked off at me. They're bitter at me. They don't want to talk to me. So you you want to return that. But being a leader is taking that first step and being like, I don't, this is where I don't care comes in. I don't care how mad or ugly they got. I'm not going to allow that to, to change who I am and who I'm called to be mm-hmm. and who I'm supposed to be as a leader, as a father, whatever, as a friend, neighbor, whatever. I'm not going to allow their ugliness of their attitude to transform me into ugliness. You know, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be who I am and be secure. So at that point, I think I don't care what they do comes in. I don't care how they feel. It's not about I don't care about their feelings. It's I don't care how they feel about me. I'm going to love them and lead them anyway. Mm-hmm. I'm going to forgive them and, and, and I'm going to lead in this situation because when somebody is screaming and yelling and frustrated, they're out of control. And so the tendency for us to react to that is to be out of control as well. And now you just, it's a wreck. Yeah. And so you can say, I don't care how out of control they are. I'm not going to be out of control. And so now I see that you're out of control. So someone in this situation has to step in and lead this, lead, lead this situation back to a safe place so that we can get to, we can get to the real issue, you know? And so I want to grow in that. I think, you know, I think everybody should grow in that, but I realized the necessity for that. And again, just realizing that people look up to me and stuff like that. So I'm like, oh, and it's just the light is just kind of clicking, you know, like the, and people that I've known for years, but you never, you just never think people that are older than me, you know, more life experience and they're looking up to me. And it's a very weird thing. And it's a very, it's a, it's not tough to embrace. It's just awkward. Like it doesn't, you feel like you should be asking them questions <laughs> and they're asking you questions. And so I want to grow in that this year. So I have some like different plans for some different stuff lined up to read and to, you know, study or whatever. And, um, and just really praying about it and just being conscious of it takes you a long way as well. But it's a good wanted, focus. Well, because I want, I want our church to have really strong leadership. I don't want our church to look cool and to be full. I want our church to have strong leadership. But our church can't have strong leadership if it doesn't have a strong leader. Mm-hmm. If I'm not committed to growing as a leader, then how can I expect everybody else to be committed to being strong leaders? Mm-hmm. Like, and that does happen a lot of times. And just because you know more about leadership than someone else doesn't mean that you can relax. It doesn't. No one's trying to catch you. They're trying to follow you. Yeah. And there's a difference. And so I think sometimes we say, 
well, my leadership is far more developed than everybody else. So we sit and we get and we're waiting on them to catch up. Mm-hmm. But if we're sitting still, then they're sitting still. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and so even if they can grow, even if you are more developed as a leader, you do have more experience and they can, you know, grow into that. Yes, <sighs> One thing after another. But um, they can, you know, grow into that. <clears throat> we think they can grow and so more or less catch up to you. But no one's, no one's, you know, trying to catch you. They're following you. So they're only going to move as long as you're moving. Mm-hmm. And so I think you have to realize that is, okay, so other people are only going to grow as long as I'm growing. And so as leaders, right, if you're leading leadership, then that's a, you know, you continuously commit to growth. Unless you're perfect, then you're not. And so, you know, keep growing as a leader and people notice and it, they're influenced by it and whatever. And so I'm just really challenging myself in that area this year to be a better leader so that I can develop better leaders in the church. And um, and so that we can, what, lead more people to Jesus. It's not about being powerful or anything like that. It's about people knowing Jesus and, and leaving um, basically legacies that outlive us and not legacies for us, but what outlives us is the gospel i think that's a challenging thing about being full-time missionaries and living in the in the community that you are serving um which i i think is 100 percent the best way for us to do ministry is to be among the people that we're serving but they also get to see you when you're not you didn't put it on right you didn't yeah put your good face on your happy personality they see you when you're frustrated they see you when you got a flat tire and you know i don't know just just a lot when life hits you and um and if they do look up to you as their leader also a challenging thing is that they remember one Mm -hmm. little mistake that Mm -hmm. you make and then they go home and they're like man i can't believe he talked to me like that or even if if it's something so small i mean i remember when when one lady at the church literally didn't speak to me for like four to five months because of a two-minute conversation that we had, and she didn't like the way I said something to her, and I'm, I'm, I was just like, "What? Really? I didn't understand that." Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but yeah, that is something that I didn't realize. You have to be so conscious and intentional about. Period. <laughs> that was it. Conscious and intentional. Oh, you something you didn't realize you. Had to I didn't be realize you have about. To, okay. yeah, yeah, about gr- growing in that, and 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 even just considering other. It's tough because it's something, and I think, um, I don't know, I think it's something that you, sh- you have to be committed to in your life, you know? And like you, like you were saying earlier, as missionaries specifically, some of the most impactful things that you do will be not things on a stage. There will be your reaction to situations and stuff like that. Like, like when you got hepatitis, I noticed that it was like a solemn, people were kind of, not acting weird with us, but it was like, Every time I would talk to somebody, they would just be kind of like, yeah, yeah, that type of thing. And it was weird. And then I found out after that people thought we were going to leave because you had hepatitis. And it was like, first of all, they won't let us on a plane. So that was out. <laughs> um, but I, honestly, I mean, we weren't planning on leaving. But like, but that was impactful to people after they saw that we were in this. It, you have to be faithful in everything. You know, you have to give every you have to do everything as unto the Lord because you don't even you just don't know. And I guess what we talked about in church a few weeks ago is like we always focus on we determine what's big and we think we determine where God is going to use us, but we don't. And like you referenced Jolie with the woman with two. She had no idea that Jesus was watching her. She had no idea that God in the flesh is sitting there watching her, giving her it literally was was it six hours of work or no six minutes of work. That's how that's how much it would have taken someone to to uh, to win to earn that amount of money is six minutes. 
And she had no idea that God, that, that God was watching her, like literally in the flat. Like she had no idea. But she's just doing, she's being faithful and little. Maybe she had a children's feeding program and, oh, that's big. And maybe she thought God was going to work. And maybe he did, but, but God was watching her through her. And we still, we're 2,000 years later, and we're still learning from her and growing from the thing that she did and what she thought was privacy and secret mm-hmm. when no one was watching. It's integrity. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, it's being consistent, I guess, being consistently faithful. And it's true faithfulness. It's true faith, really, in, in everything and understanding that everything you do, all your reactions outside of the pulpit, outside of the leadership meetings and courses mm-hmm. or whatever that you do, um, outside of that is the mo- some of the most impactful things that you do. And that's why it's so important to definitely have privacy, but live your life in a way that people have access to you. As a missionary, we don't come here just to help people. We come here to be a part of the community. And that's a part of the growing community is understanding that you're an example and how big of an impact that you make in the, in, in the way that you react to, you know, whether it's a house fire or a robbery or something, whatever happened in the community, people automatically look to you and they may not ask you, but they're looking at you. Not, and some people are waiting on you to mess up, but the people that know you aren't typically waiting on you to mess up. They're looking at you so that we don't know what to do. How do we react to this? And so however you react is how, and it sounds like a lot of pressure, but for those of us who are in Christ, we're led by the Spirit. And so Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live. So he doesn't feel the pressure. I just got to follow Jesus and everything, mm-hmm. whether they're looking or whether they're not looking. And that's why we, we, we develop these habits of giving our two shekels when no one's looking or, you know, of doing this. And there's no pressure in that. When we take the pressure, then we're not understanding. We take the pressure of, oh, they're looking at me. I need to perform. It's not performing. It's just committing to following Jesus and everything and, and dying to yourself on a consistent basis. And so, but it's, it, it is a tough thing because it's so anti our natural reaction and, and anti our natural thought process or whatever. But that's really what it is. It's just being leaders. We are called to lead. Yeah. And, you know, so that's what I'm challenging kind of myself with this year and just I want to grow in that and it's not necessarily something to do I mean obviously I hope the church will develop because of that and will grow because of that um not because of me just but because of the, just committing someone committing to to fully giving their life to Jesus that's really what it is mm-hmm. is committing to fully following Jesus in every area of life and that will affect other people and we've seen we see that biblically yeah. and um just fully embracing the, the fullness of the gospel and, and and, and what, it, what it means for us and what it looks like. and So, yeah, that and getting our community garden busted. Yes. Rainy That's, season is almost... Yeah, I've been talking about this stupid garden forever and <laughs> never got to it, but different stuff would happen, dude. And then the the road behind our house where they got to bring the dirt in, flood it out, and mm-hmm. so then it can, now it's raining all the time and it's mushy. And I said, okay, I'm going to start in the rainy season, which is around March or April. So probably February, March, I'm going to get the wood for the garden boxes and do that. And then we got we'll start the compost pile, like a huge, we'll do a huge compost thing. I start picking that stuff up and whatever. Well, we got to so, finish the gate, the fence too. Yeah, finish the fence. There's some work to do. There is some work to do. So, yeah. There are, they are no longer requiring uh, tourist visas to come oh, yeah. to Bolivia. So, yeah. so if anybody in. wants to help. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there are no... They, yeah, you don't need a tourist visa from the United States. Before, that was $160 mm-hmm. that you had to pay as a U.S. citizen, basically, to get in. But that's that fee has now been lifted. You can come in just on a passport. Yep. I don't know how long, 30 days, probably? I don't know. I'll have 30 to day, look th- that. Maybe, maybe 90 days. I don't, 90 days. I don't know. I have to look into it, but I don't know how long you can be here. But you can come down, 
not for free, but <laughs> for $160 cheaper than what you could have three three weeks to a month ago. So definitely looking for people to come down and help and stuff like that. So um, over the next few weeks, I think, and we may wait till Simon gets back to start, but I want to talk about, we're supposed to talk about it today, but we didn't get to it. Um, okay. Over the next, uh, we'll, we'll see, maybe the, the week after next, we're going to start kind of a series of four podcasts. We want to talk about the phases of ministry, and I think those will be, um, we want you to understand exact, exactly, exactly, <laughs> so ridiculous. We want you to understand exactly where we want to go as a ministry and like kind of how we want to get there and what plans we have and stuff. So we'll do phase by phase for four weeks, phase one, phase two, phase three, phase four, and we'll kind of let you know and just talk in details and converse between us. Uh, what those phases look like and the expectations and and so on and so forth are. And just hear some ideas that maybe you haven't heard before. And so uh, I'm kind of excited for that. But um, so, yeah, be, be, um, be, uh, what's the word I'm looking Expecting, for? Expecting, looking yeah, out. Be, be, yeah, be looking out. That's what I was trying to say. Be looking out for that coming up soon. And um, you good? Do you have anything else to share? Um, no. I mean, as I look at this big chalkboard, this big board. Well, that's not what we're not, no. I'm not doing that now. That's, I just said four weeks. Whatever. I know. Okay, no, I'm yeah. good. All right, well, thank you for listening. We appreciate all your support and your love and your help and uh, everything you guys do for us, your your prayers and your financial support, definitely needed as well. Um, if you don't know anything about our ministry, you want to know more, if you, for whatever reason you stumbled upon this podcast, I saw people are stumbling upon it on SoundCloud, which is weird. Um, but you can go to redroots.org and you can find out a little bit more about us. You can also uh, make donations there and you can uh, our contact information is there as well. We thank you all for listening. We appreciate you. And uh, we hope you have a great week. And uh, provecho.